Well, Earl Gray Anderson is one of the nation's leading UFO investigators, and he held several positions with the MUFON UFO network. Recently, Earl presented at the 2021 MUFON Symposium. A case he investigated was presented as one of the five best UFO cases of the year. It was a close encounter event, and Earl is joining us to talk about it. Hi, Earl. How are you today? Doing quite well. How are you doing, Dean? Great, great. Well, this is, this is a fascinating case. Before we look at it, presenting at the MUFON Symposium, what, I mean, what, what was that like? Uh, it was kind of daunting. I, I uh, you know, I, I, I love MUFON. I'm kind of a lifer, I think, with MUFON. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, what I found the beauty of MUFON is, is that, you know, if you want to be a, a UFO field investigator, they'll give you a caseload. You know, they'll give you a local caseload and uh, they mentor you. And uh, it's, it's hands-on ufology and the you know, just like J. Allen Hynek and those guys yep. did, yep. you know, yep. back, back in the day. All uh, right. In order to do this, you know, you need to have contemporary cases that are local. And, and uh, thankfully, Los Angeles here, where I'm uh, assistant state director of and uh, chief investigator uh, in Southern California here, uh, we have the highest number per capita of UFOs reported anywhere in the world. Is, is right here. Yeah, yeah. I just recently did a report, uh, an interview I did with Jeff Krause a little while ago, and uh, we spoke about the uh, Southern Californian coastline. And I mean, it's just a hotbed, isn't it? It's it's amazing. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you know, we had a recent case uh, that I closed as an unknown, uh, and and I don't hand those out. You know, I mean, if if if, if uh, if I call it an unknown, it means I can't explain it in any prosaic terms. Uh, we had uh, a commercial pilot and his wife and, and, uh, and his brother-in-law, they were camping on Catalina Island uh, on the east, uh, east side of Catalina Island. That's out sort of uh, overlapping the Baja mm -hmm. uh, Peninsula is, 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 is off to the south there. So uh, anyway, they saw, he saw this object come out of the water he said that it was gold. It was it was circular shaped like a sphere. It was huge. He said that it you know that this guy is is very good at line of sight reckoning because he's a commercial pilot. He has to be you know he's he's a professional observer. He said that uh, line of sight this thing was ten miles away from him and ten miles away from the coastline. Mm -hmm. So it was right between uh, Catalina Island and the and the. Uh, San Diego coast. He said that uh, this thing came out of the water, it went back down into the water and then came out again and sort of did this cross shaped, uh, almost like a dance in the sky. Then it just hung there and he called his wife out, he called his brother-in-law out and he got, he got two other pairs of eyes on this thing. Uh, nobody had ever seen anything quite like it. Uh, they watched it go back into the drink and it was gone. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's a proverbial, wow. uh, we, we get a lot of those. Yeah. yeah. Also, now, I've, I've spoken with Kevin Day, who is the radar uh, desk of the, uh, during the Nimitz, uh, the, the whole Nimitz encounter with the Tic Tac UFO, and he was on the Princeton, and he said that that was the exact area where they saw the Tic Tac originally. Right, right, right. Uh, 
pilot and his wife and brother-in-law had a sighting. Yeah. So it's ongoing out there. And I, I'm never surprised. You know, when I get these cases that are out there, I, I, I do investigate them. Uh, I, you know, I do try to debunk my own cases because, you know, you, you, that's a part of what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to kind of check off all the boxes. Um, but uh, I'm never surprised out, you know, the cases we get out there because they, they all have similar markers. In common. Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people that if they really want, because I, I love the classic UFO sighting reports. And, and to get a lot of those, you just need to go to the MUFON site and, uh, and just read them. I mean, you could sit there for hours reading them. And um, I was reading one the other day. It was just fascinating. I mean, I, I'm just amazed how it, how it wasn't in mainstream news. Yeah. Sometimes it is now, you know. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Every once in a while, we'll get one in the mainstream news. But they're still a little skittish about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, 1952 with a Robertson report and all that stuff, they, you know, they, the media was kind of told what to do with their UFO sightings and yep. kind of do it sideways, you know, <laughs> and they've been, exactly. they've been doing it since 1952. And, and uh, you know, that's coming up on 70 years of, of boldface lying about this. And mm -hmm. uh, so old, ha old habits die hard. You yeah, know? yeah, and you can see a lot of the news announcers trying to. They're so used to giggling and having the giggle factor going along with this subject, and now it's it's being presented differently. Yep, yep, yep. So years. Yeah. So let's talk about this close encounter case that you presented at the symposium. I mean, it was just fascinating, and uh, rightly named one of the best five UFO cases of the year. So when did this happen? Uh, this originally happened in 2014. The reason why it was considered a contemporary case is, is because it's been ongoing. Uh, this was originally an experiencer uh, resource team case where uh, the woman put in a, uh, a questionnaire uh, that we have for people that have had a close encounter of the third or fourth kind. If you've been abducted, visited, you've seen entities, uh, there's a form for you to fill out and it's uh, you just go to mufon.com it's right there on the front page so she filled that form out and uh, and we scheduled an interview and, and it was such an interesting story um, and it involved her whole family so I uh, I wound up uh, scheduling interviews for everyone in her family that was involved with this thing uh, she's a clinical psychologist she was driving her son home from, uh, from work. It was uh, in, in the early evening, kind of the magic hour, I guess you'd, you'd call mm -hmm. it, around 7 p.m. They came across this V-shaped boomerang-shaped craft that was hovering silently over this grammar school that was in uh, Long Beach. I can't give you guys names and stuff because... Yeah. These people, yeah, they're they're professionals. They're they're well respected in their community. Uh, they have like, you know, a, a medical practice and things like that going on. But um, but everything's been double checked and checked over and over again as far as the you know their careers and and everything goes. So the mom is a clinical psychologist. Uh, they see this thing hovering over the school. As they get closer to it, it rolled over 
and on the underside, the ventral side of this craft, which was about 100 feet long or longer, uh, there were these lights that were flashing or flashing blue and yellow. And uh, it had a very strange effect as, as she drove closer to this with her adult son who was in the car, mm -hmm. um, time became very strange for them. It became malleable. Uh, mom described it as that she couldn't tell if it was 10 minutes or one minute. Wow. That it was very, very strange. Uh, that sounds outside of their car uh, became muffled. And, uh, and we call this the Oz effect. There is a name for it. Uh, Dr. John Mack, uh, a Princeton psychologist, came up with, with this term uh, when, he, when he was uh, investigating this phenomenon. And it, it appears that, you know, people sort of think they have the misnomer that, that UFOs are somehow external from us. And that when we see one, that it's like looking at, you know, something on a microscope mm -hmm. slide. But it's not, you know, it's an interactive phenomenon. So as these, as this mom and her son got closer to this, it, it changed the way they perceived time itself. Um, as they drove towards their home, it was as if they had had an agreement that they weren't going to talk about it. No talk about this thing that they saw. This extraordinary, it was, it was hanging there, it had weight to it. It's like something out of Star Wars, the mom said, and, and that it must have weighed tons and tons. But there it was evading uh, gravity. Uh, and it was moving with no visible sign of, of, of propulsion that we know of. Mm -hmm. um, when they pulled into their driveway, the son turned to his mom and he said, did you see what, what was that? Did you see that? And she said, well, hell oh, yeah, I saw it. He said, yes, I saw it. I don't know what it was. I have no idea. Um, the son is very, very difficult for him to talk about. Um, it, it kind of shattered his worldview. His, his sense yeah. of reality had been shaken. Um, now the mom, she, she told the father and he's an MD uh, and, and they thought that this was just a strange one-off incident that, that they saw a UFO and that that would be the end of it. But as often happens, uh, it seemed to open up a door for visitations for this family. Um, the mom started getting taken at night. Uh, it would be once every few months and she would remember it would be almost dreamlike, she said. Uh, where it was like a dream, but realer than a dream. And it would leave physical, uh, like she, she had scoop marks from mm -hmm. the back of her neck. Um, clothing had been like cut off with like a laser or something off of her body, where it was this fine, very fine line that you could see. Um, and she would wake up in, in, in the kitchen, right? The husband, he, was, he would wake up, he would see lights in their room, and he would try to move and he would suffer from paralysis. He said that it was just like, suddenly he, he was a quadriplegic mm -hmm. and a very intelligent man. He's an MD, uh, both he and his wife, you know, are pillars in their community. People look up to them, but they have this extraordinary and, and crazy story. Um, and it's ongoing. So that was, uh, that was the case that I presented at the symposium. It sort of had a little bit of everything, you know. Um, I, I, I have found that with most of your really good UFO 
cases, that it's not just some random sighting, that there is a reason. It's like a teachable moment mm -hmm. or that, you know, I think that we're being retooled as a species. Our sense of reality is being changed uh, to, to more of a, uh, a, a reality that, that has more magical elements to it. Right. I think of it as this, that we're, we're still holding on to Newtonian physics, which are very, it's, it's, it's just a quaint operating system to be running the human race off of. Yep. And we know that quantum mechanics is, is what the universe is built on, what it works off of. So we're sort of, you know, trying to use a, a hammer to do a screwdriver's job, you know? It's yeah. just wrong. Yeah. Uh, was it... Oh, was it was it a benevolent experience for them? You know, it was a mysterious experience for them. Um, the mom said that she felt like it wasn't malevolent, but it wasn't necessarily benevolent. That it was uh, um, now. Now she she's experienced um, that there are two different types of beings that she has had face to face encounters with: the tall grays, which are more just kind of work a day force, mm -hmm. almost like the worker bees. Um, although they're not the small grays, she's, she's seeing the taller grays, which seem to have their own intelligence about themselves. And, uh, but also she's, she's seen the mantis and they seem to be in, in charge. And they look like these giant praying mantises. They're quite daunting to be in the presence of she said that that it would make her that, that she would be horrified, except that such a sense of overwhelming empathy comes from when she's met with these mantis right. creatures. So and and we've we've found this in other cases that they appear to be in charge. They appear to be very very intelligent, very very empathic. They, they feel emotions like we do, and they project those in their mm -hmm. communications. Yeah. Were, were they communicating with, with these people? With the mother, yes. Yeah. The father doesn't remember any communication. He feels like they are just, that they're, that if he doesn't sleep through it, that they paralyze him so he's not stopping mm -hmm. what's going on. Yeah. Which, which... Probably, there's probably a couple of things going on. There may be DNA farming going on, which... You know, we've seen this going on for, for many generations now. It uh, seems to be a generational thing, too, where they'll find families. Uh, the mom, her sister, uh, had an experience when she was a little girl uh, where she saw a UFO and saw beings. So sometimes it can be a multi-generational thing or it can be a familial uh a familial background right right it's amazing what what opens up when you when you start digging a little deeper did did she have any clue that her sister had had an experience she had heard about it but didn't take it seriously when she was a little girl she just thought that her sister was had a good imagination or something mm -hmm. it wasn't until she had her own experience that it kind of came flooding back to her and she's spoken with her sister about it since. And, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, there seems to be a commonality there. So do you know whether the visitations are still happening today? Yeah. They are still happening. Uh, I, you know, I'll get a text from her every couple of months or so. 
Uh, I have her keeping a journal, a very detailed journal. Um, if there are marks, I have her take photographs. Uh, she's had the scoop marks. She's had some triangular-like marks. Um, and, you know, we, we, we find these from case to case, uh, very similar marks from person to person. And we don't really share, I'm, I'm, I, I don't really show people, uh, you know, <laughs> out yeah. there on social media yeah. or whatever, what, what the marks look like no. usually, except for the very generic looking ones. If it's just a scoop mark, well, we've mm -hmm. all seen that. Yep. And, and yep. those I, I share. But, yeah. um, but we do see very uh, kind of elaborate, uh, you know, marks. Yeah, yeah. From case to case, it seemed to be left from the same, you know, or similar species. Yeah. The shape of the craft is interesting. The, the boomerang shape, I think that's the same shape that, um, that crossed over Phoenix back in 97. Yes. We have had quite a flap. And I don't use that word uh, lightly. Um, Cheryl Costa and, and Linda Costa, they've written a wonderful book about UFO statistics from state to state, county to county. Um, it's right here. It's called UFO Sightings Desk Reference. Mm -hmm. And it's been very helpful to me in that uh, I was able to see that, uh, hold on a second, don't want my library to fall down no. ears here, um, that we were able to see a definite spike in, in V-shaped craft sightings that started back in the 1990s, around 1997. And uh, it grew up through, up until the early 2000s and now it just kind of reached a peak and it just is staying there. Yeah, yeah. And people are seeing and reporting them regularly. Uh, I've had another one uh, that was in the MUFON journal a couple months ago that was in Long Beach that was seen by a gentleman who was just in his backyard, you know, doing his exercise routine. And uh, he had his weights over his head and then he sees this thing almost dropped the weights wow. on himself you know yeah yep. uh and and uh let's see i had a guy in palm springs recently that uh, reported a v-shaped craft same light configurement uh same kind of thing when it got close to him time got strange things became kind of weird for mm -hmm. him mm -hmm. um so we see a pattern there yeah um you know, I keep thinking about um, the Australian Aboriginal people, the oldest, um, the oldest humans on the planet, and 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 their legendary connection with the Pleiadians. You know, back back when, and and of course the Australian Aboriginals are, are famous for producing the boomerang. And I you, you just that... wonder, you just wonder what yeah. the connection was from back then, whether they were taught that shape and and that it does fly and 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 that does return and. Um, so, I mean, I probably need to have a chat with uh, Stephen and Evan Strong down there about that, but it's just fascinating when you think about it and you see all the boomerang-shaped sightings. It's a thing, you know. I mean, it's, uh, it's not something that, that I made up. I, I can look at the numbers. I can show them to you uh, from county to county. 
we just had this spike and and yep. uh, and it's uh you know we're not alone yeah yeah and, and I, I wonder about the shape as well I yeah wonder, yeah well. <laughs> what one of the sightings so the, the biggest sighting that i had back in sydney in in 04 um i was just sitting on my balcony and, and when you describe the um the effect of of, of time almost standing still i mean that's the exact effect that i went through um and, and that was a night that was the night of the ufos in australia that that evening they, they were all over the place and uh and this thing was gliding past uh basically my, my front yard and and i just stood there 11 30 at night just what <laughs> and and it was it was just covered in mist and but the thing the thing that struck me is how everything just slowed to a walk i mean it was everything was still and and I was kind of felt like I was in a bubble. Um, it was a, um, it, it wasn't. A, it was more a triangle shape than oh. than, than than the actual um, than the actual V shape. But yeah, yeah, that was that was that was a shape. But it was it was more. A, well, I mean, it was hard to tell because it was in, enveloped in mist. But it did appear to kind of be a silver type shape. So you mentioned that it was enveloped in mist. So I have an interesting uh, footnote to this case that uh, was one of the five. Uh, they chose one of the five of the year mm -hmm. is that the front of the UFO where it should have aesthetically gone to a point that it was shrouded in like it was carrying a little cloud around it with itself. Mm -hmm. Um, now, the guy that recently saw a, a V-shaped craft in Long Beach, he said the same thing, that it seemed like it was covered with, like it carried its own cloud with itself. So right. I'm thinking that, you know, we're seeing this uh, with, with, with the, the craft that this woman and her son saw, it was just on the front part. So maybe it hadn't dispersed yet. And maybe that's, uh, because I don't think that these are, sightings for everybody out there i think that that uh, people have ufo sightings for s specific reasons that it's a personal personally for you mm -hmm. that you saw the craft that you saw you were supposed to see that that was your ufo yeah 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 and um i mean it's I'll, not, I'll... they don't do it for giggles you know no it's, no, no. and it was just just a, i was just in awe of the way that that I was kind of almost put inside a bubble um, and things just stopped still. And um, Well, I've know. had a close encounter too, and that's how I describe it. Yeah, yeah. It felt like they create a little bubble of reality that uh, where their physics works and, mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. and it's very much like magic. I mean, uh, the, the way the universe works is, is certainly not Newtonian thing. It's normal for, you know, a wave to take on the attributes of, of a particle if you're expecting it to, to take those attributes right. on. And so, you know, a, a, a particle, they, they had to come up with the word wavicle, which is a nonsense word, mm -hmm. to describe this effect with a two-slit uh, experiment, because depending on what the scientist was expecting to see is what they would get. It was interactive. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the UFOs. You know, people, some will claim to be able to summon UFOs to themselves. Uh, some charge exorbitant amounts of money to do that, which I think right. is a fool yeah. in his money. You know, you can give it to me and I'll yeah. look meditative for you, you know, but okay. you can do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. and, and some people are, are, uh, 
you know, they have good results. You know, yeah. I would say just make sure that you're asking to meet benevolent entities. Mm -hmm. Just to open the door up to anybody, then, well, it's a crapshoot. You're going to get yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But it is an interactive phenomenon. Yeah. It's very different from the way that I thought it was when I went into this. I thought I was going to be, you know, uh, investigating spaceships. And it's more like, it's 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 almost like star wars it's sort mm -hmm. of there's a spiritual uh paranormal element to it as well as a technological uh nuts and bolts element yeah, yeah. did did um did the woman in this case uh undergo regression therapy she has not done that so far she remembers a lot on her own um there is a possibility she may want to do this Right now, she doesn't have the des a burning desire to do it because she remembers enough without being regressed. I understand yeah. that. You know, I have my own experience back six years ago, and I haven't been hypnotically regressed because I remember a lot of it without needing that. Yeah. So yeah. Why muddle it up? You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did Did anyone else, you know, in you in your investigation, see? This UFO? No, nobody else reported it. In fact, there was a news van that the mom saw parked like wow. the, the next street over, like oblivious to, you know. But again, you know, I think that they create that bubble where you experience this. You know, we had another case, certain cases, they just stick out for you, you know, and you notice simpatico elements from case to case mm -hmm. we had another one back in 1975 where the mom and the the uh three brothers have finally gone on record the mom's in her 90s now but they had a close encounter with uh a flying saucer uh up near costa mesa area it's where these guys were living and uh when it got close up to them again time stopped outside of their vehicle now, usually people, when, when they're being abducted or visited, um, it's in their bed, you know, it's in their bedroom, it's late at night. Yep. Um, and so people will say, oh, I couldn't hear noises on the street. It just became unnaturally quiet. But we never really knew why it became like that. Well, in this case, and when there are other cases that are similar to it, they could see outside of their car windows and they saw this guy that was walking across the street. He had one foot extended and the other foot held back and as time literally stopped it was like something out of the twilight zone outside of their car um, you know the one guy said i imagine that if i if we had seen birds in flight that they would have just yep. been stationary um it wasn't until their ufo took off and again you know they don't know if it was 10 minutes or an hour uh, and, and all three boys, one was uh, like 11, 12 years old, you know, they were, you know, different ages down mm -hmm. to the youngest who is a toddler, uh, all appropriate reactions for those for that age, you know, and in the mom, it was just overcome by the beauty of this craft and, yeah. and the lights. And she said, I had to look at the lights. They were so beautiful. Uh, but right. but then I was worried that you know that they were they were waiting at the, at the crosswalk and she was afraid that the light her light was going to turn 
green, you know, and yeah. put her boys in danger somehow. And that kept her tethered to earth somehow. Yeah. Um, but a similar case with a time, a close encounter of mom and the sons mm -hmm. and uh, time more or less stopping for them uh, or at least being malleable and, uh, and it opened up their lives to uh, further high strangeness. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chuck Zukowski once told me that uh, he never he never closes cases. He says the, the, the never really closed. Is this one is this one still ongoing? I consider all cases to be open still. Uh, that's the way that I look at them as well. I mean, with MUFON, you're supposed to have the case closed in two to three months, right? right? You're supposed to have come to a determination to the best of your ability what the person was seeing. And, you know, 90 to 95% of the time, it'll be a prosaic object. It'll be mylar party balloons you know, in, in an upcurrent, or it'll be a Batman balloon that looks like a triangle, or it'll be, but it's that five to 10% that we can't explain that makes it all interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're right. prosaic. Yeah, yeah. Magical. Well, um, since we last spoke, Earl, um, have you encountered any other cases as interesting as this one in, in say, in the last 12 to 18 months? Ah, they're always the, I always have interesting cases. I always have them uh, ongoing. Uh, right now, I've got a couple of cases that are very, very interesting. Uh, I've had some interesting, uh, just a lot of interesting doors open up recently. Right. Um, also, I've had the chance to do a little bit of television, which is always fun and, mm -hmm. and it's good to get the word out there. Um, you know, I have a very specific way of looking at this uh, phenomenon. And so it's, it's nice when I get to just kind of talk about it. Yeah. with Somebody like yourself in yep. the media and, and do this. So I was recently on uh, Mythbusters offshoot called Motor Mythbusters. Mm -hmm. where we did scientific uh, UFO related experiments. Right. right. Uh, see if an EMP will stop uh, an electric car in its tracks like it would a 1950s police cruiser. Yep. Uh, for instance. Yep. yep. Uh, and then I'm also on, uh, on another, uh, well, Demi Lovato has recently come out, the R&B singer as, as yeah. Singer. Yeah. It's fascinating. So I'm on one of the uh, episodes of, uh, uh, of Demi Lovato's show. Okay, okay. So I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fantastic when the um, you know, when the celebrities will come out and, and talk about this yeah. this stuff. And we've had a few over the years, but not enough. And I'm sure, I'm sure there are plenty of them that uh, are just keeping well, quiet. I know a few that I can't mention. Yeah. Very very famous people. Yeah. Uh, you know, actresses and musicians, etc. Um, that that don't want their name attached to it you know and then but then you've got john lennon even saw with with may Payne, uh his old living girlfriend uh they saw a ufo together in new york back in 1976 that uh and he was very upfront about it you know and he even wrote a song about it mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so some people are, are very open to sharing their experiences, but you have to respect the person. 
uh, others are not, you know, and you have to respect the person's desires and that. You know. mm -hmm. you, you've been at MUFON for some time now. Um, I often wonder if UFO or alien encounter events are, are understated. I think, you know, are, are we hearing all the, all the reports we hear? Are they all the sightings that happen or there are obviously ones that don't get reported? Um, I try to get the ones that I think are interesting that I close or that are closed locally here uh, out into the public. If even just through Facebook, uh, I'll, I'll sometimes, you know, make a, a big post and tag people on it. And, um, but, you know, the, there's so many sightings and so many good sightings. And uh, no, they're not all reported out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, since I've been doing this, uh, since I've been working as a field investigator for MUFON, I've closed uh, upwards of 733 cases now, I think, personally. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, out of that number, uh, there's about 50 or 60 cases that I've deemed to be uh, unknowns. Unknown, right. Where I was not able to, to you know, blame it on balloons or a drone or you know we get so that you you recognize a drone on flash mode and things yeah. like that yeah yeah and yeah. in a lot of these cases they'll come in and i'll see the video and it's like two seconds later or the starlink satellites with you know spacex over and over again you know people will put that in and say oh i think i saw the space force you know it's like mm -hmm. one ufo another ufo another 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 and they're you know perfectly uh, spaced from each other going across the sky. It's like, yeah, it's the new satellite train. Thanks, Elon Musk. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For ruining yeah. our, our yeah. Uh, night observations. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I, I remember doing a report not long ago and posting it in some of the groups online. And uh, it was about, you know, becoming a, uh, a MUFON investigator or a UFO investigator. And, and uh, people were getting pretty excited until they, they, they read at the end that it's a, uh, it's a non-paid job. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's a, I thought, you know, I thought people would, would, would just jump at the chance to be a UFO investigator, paid or, or not paid. Now, people want to be paid, but if you, if that, you know what? Okay, I don't have a problem with getting paid to teach a college class or getting paid for certain things, okay? Um, if, if I do... Uh, if I'm in a film and I had to do research or something, you know, you don't muzzle the cattle as they're, you know, <laughs> right. as they're working in the fields, right? But, but if it were for money, you'd have to wonder about everybody's intent. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually a good thing about MUFON is that if you're doing this to make money, there are much easier ways to do that. Mm -hmm. Music business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yep. made more money, you know, working as an independent musical artist than as a, as a ufologist. I think I've maybe made $400 over the last six years, if that. Wow. wow. So, yeah, you, you know, it'll pay for gasoline. It'll pay for a hotel room sometimes. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's it's for the love of the phenomenon. That's that's why I do it because I want to understand this thing as much yeah. as it's possible to understand. So so how does someone who wants to be an investigator get started? Easy peasy. You go to mufon.com and it says right there on the front page, become 
a uh, MUFON field investigator. Uh, just follow the links. Uh, it'll have you buy the field investigator's handbook, which is uh, your best friend. It is an you know excellent, excellent, well-written book on where else are you going to learn how to investigate UFOs? Yeah, with, yeah. A, with a, scientifically, you know. Um, so you'll you'll read the the field investigator's handbook. You will take an open book test at the end of it. Then we have a couple of, there's, it's MUFONUniversity.com. We have uh, video classes that, mm -hmm. that are sort of follow up to what you've learned in the book. And then we personally mentor you. Right. Um, I had a gentleman today, one of my wonderful field investigators out here who, uh, who had a case and he knew he was sure it was an airplane. It was over the airfield of an airport but the witness was positive it was a ufo and i just had to tell him you know your every single thing that you have pointed out is is true and and it is an airplane and you did really really well but you know i mean you can't i mean you can't force people to accept that what they saw wasn't a ufo yeah. i'm not hard line with people about it you know just like well you know i can't tell you for sure what you saw but no. I don't think that it was a UFO. No, no. But that's, you know, I mean, that's, I'm there for my, for my field investigators. If, if you're like wondering, ah, you know, I'm not absolutely sure. You know, a lot of us have, have, have been doing this for a long time now and we're, we're there to help you. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's not like throw you in the pool and expect you to swim. We no. need train. Well, Earl, thanks very much for joining us once again. Um, what so? What's on your agenda in the next uh, few months? More, more symposiums? Oh, gee, um, just kind of—I uh, don't know—trying to keep on top of all my UFO reports. Yeah, a yep. lot of them. Yeah, well, uh, keep on top of. Uh, we we need more field investigators. So, you guys, people that are listening to this, uh, I'll tell you, it was. I never have any regrets. I love what I do. Um, it you won't get paid for it, but you'll get paid in in knowledge. Mm -hmm. And and I will say I understand this phenomena a heck of a lot better than I did six years ago, seven years ago yeah. when I was just reading books about it. Yeah, it's different when you get you, you when it's hands on, and it's different when it's your UFO. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I highly encourage people. Do join MUFON, go to MUFON.com, uh, become a field investigator. I'll keep you busy. Certainly will. El, thanks a lot, More. we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dean. El Gray Anderson joining us today.